monster in you A strange tune seems to And it is our Halloween show uh, which we have fun with uh, every year uh, Tim, uh, you usually get some trick-or-treaters though but probably none this year well, no, no, I, I don't know. I don't know if the city of Pasadena out here has, you know, banded or anything, but not this year. Uh, uh, so, you know, um, um, I do know that they have one of those drive-by, you know, things where you get in the car and you drive by and all the people have decorated the house. There's one of those in the neighborhood. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't know, six to one. Uh, so, so it'll be okay, I guess. Yeah, we we did one of those uh, actually yesterday. We did. Uh, there's a thing out here. Uh, at a ranch in the mountains uh, called Night of the Jacks. It's uh, it's at the, the Gillette Ranch. And uh, you usually walk through. It's about a mile of just really cool jack-o'-lanterns and spooky music. Um, but they did drive through this year. And it was really cool. There's, there's, there's all these kind of themed... I mean, the jack-o'-lanterns are amazing. I don't know if they're legit or not. But, you know, there's like one where they're all carved like the planets in the solar system. <laughs> You know, there's another one where they're all carved like Hollywood, Hollywood, uh, popular Hollywood couples and uh, classic Hollywood and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. So I'm always amazed at people who do that went up to a pumpkin because it's going to rot. You're creating artwork that's going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, it's uh, Halloween used to be one of my favorite holidays across the year. I've never been a Christmas guy. You know, yeah. some people are Christmas people, you know. Um, uh, but I, but I was always, I was always big on the Halloween and, uh, for whatever reason, the 4th of July, those were my two biggies. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know which one would be my favorite. I mean, I, I, you I used to have that gigantic, that gigantic 4th of July party. One of the first parties I ever went to in 1990, I think. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of years I had, I had my, my big 4th of July stonk party, uh, which, uh, just got to be unwieldy at a certain point. You get to be a certain age. You're like. Why am I inviting a hundred people to my house on the Fourth of July? Uh, yeah, those things used to get kind of unhinged. Yeah. Uh, lots of people. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I like Halloween. My daughter loves Halloween, yeah. so I guess I got no choice. But um, well, we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. And uh, I got a lot of Halloweeny stuff here, including one giveaway courtesy of uh, Wellgo. But I want to start off. We got some. Uh, if, if you're an anime fan, there's some anime that that uh, is suitable for Halloween. And uh, from uh, from the good people at the Anaplex Library uh, via Funimation, we have Demon Slayer, which has been. You know, I mean, could there be anything more anime Halloween than Demon Slayer? Uh, this no. is Demon Slayer Part One, Episodes One through Thirteen on Blu-ray. And uh, it takes place in feudal Japan, of course, and uh, it deals with this this boy who um, has to deal with the fact that his sister has been turned into a demon, and they are the last survivors of their family, and uh, he has to go out and uh, kill the demon whose death will enable him to set things right in his family. It is... It is fairly charming. It is um, kind of, you know, Joseph Campbell-y like most of these things are. But uh, the, the the feudal aspect of it and the, and the monster aspect of it is actually quite, uh, quite original. As long as we're on the subject of uh, demons, we also have The Demon Girl Next Door, the complete collection. There is nothing in at, at all uh, scary about this. It just happens <laughs> to also have the word demon in it. Um, it's about a girl who wakes up one morning and realizes she's got horns on her head. 
and uh, oh, course, that would suck. Yeah, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, you know, not just a bad hair day, but a horn day. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, and then it takes kind of a similar trajectory, which is you know, redeem your family, and and why do you have horns and all that kind of stuff. But it's all done in a very very kind of cute, wide eyed, uh, juvenile way. Um, much more serious are the demons in Lady Death, the motion picture. How's that for a name? Yeah. Uh, it's incredibly well animated. Really, really cool. It takes place um, in the 15th century, uh, I guess, according to my notes here. Yeah. 15th century. And um, it is, uh, it's something of a, of a superhero tale with monsters. Um, uh, you know, it's got the underworld and, and Lucifer and the, uh, you know, it, it, the, the lead heroine's name is Hope, as if you need the allegory to be any more obvious. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, the, the, the mythical structure of it is a little bit co- complicated. It goes in a, in a few different directions, but the animation is really, really, really cool. And then the last one here is Beautiful Bones, Sakurako's Investigation. Um, it takes a little bit getting into this, uh, but... Uh, it's it's worth it. Also, really, really well animated. Um, kind of a I don't want to I don't want to call it. Um, it's it, it's it's a little bit like anime. I don't, well, it's, it's not like like I, I was going to compare it to Seven and to Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, from an anime standpoint, but there's there's kind of more to it. It's it's not quite that. That sort of undersells it a little bit. Um, very, very well written, but you do have to kind of stick with it to, to you know, there, there are 12 episodes on two discs, so you kind of have to stick with it. By about episode six, it'll start to make sense, so you got to kind of got to kind of stick with it. But anyway, that's that for the, for the anime end of things. And then uh, we got some great 4Ks that are, uh, that are bound to be great for people who are horror fans or even just uh, general kind of scary movie fans. Uh, Blue Underground has uh, started to release 4Ks, and so they're going deep into the uh, exploitation dungeon to come up with a couple of Lucio Fulci uh, giallo films here. Oh. The House by the Cemetery and The New York Ripper. Um, both of them are kind of classic vintage Fulci. Lots of gore, lots of giallo, all that, you know, nasty giallo blood gushing stuff that you would expect. <laughs> um and uh, yeah, both of them both of them take place in New York City. Uh, I would say the House by the Cemetery is probably the better film, but you're really kind of getting your dose with both of them. Uh, tons and tons of extras here, mostly interviews, heaps and gobs and tons of interviews with the cast, with the people who made it, the effects people, the makeup effects people, the cinematographers. I mean, it's really really great. And then of course t- uh, Troy Howarth who wrote the book on Lucio Fulci, uh, does an audio commentary for both one, both of them. Uh, how do they look in 4K? Uh, fine. I'm not going to say it's brilliant 4K. Uh, you know, they are old Giallo films. So they, they, they didn't look that great to begin with. But, you know, it's certainly better than uh, better than Blu-ray. And uh, then the, uh, the, the rest here are kind of, a couple of them are not necessarily horror. We have uh, 300 on 4K. Which is not a horror film, but it's scary-ish, you know. So I'm going to throw it in anyway, and it's new to 4K. Uh, I, I think everybody here knows uh, by this stage. You probably go back to Stupid for Movies, and you know how I feel about the uh, uh, director of 300. 
so we won't we won't open that can of worms again. But Tanner, how do you have you seen Three Hundred again in recent years? Not in recent years. I uh, the the last time I saw it though it was on a big old gigantic four K TV, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 HD, and and I gotta tell you, you can kind of tell those abs were yeah. you know enhanced. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and and I just I I just remember seeing that thinking to myself, really, yeah. <laughs> really. Oh well. Yeah, I mean, it has, uh, it, it's it's just excessively CGI'd and a little bit too tricked up for me, but a lot of people love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, remember, I remember having a conversation with a certain Hollywood actor whose name I will not mention, but he was nuts for it. And I was like, all right, knock yourself out. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, speaking of that, speaking of name dropping here, uh, about three weeks ago, I saw Gerard Butler. Oh, I was having I was having lunch with a friend at a little little uh, kind of patio here, a little sandwich place, and I look over right next to us, and there's Gerard Butler. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. Looking very hairy and ungroomed, by the way. He he, he kind of does, you know, because he lives over by our buddy Sherm, Sherman Augustus. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, and 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 whenever I would go go walking with Sherman up Runyon up Runyon Canyon there, uh, nine times out of ten we run into Gerard Butler. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and we'd always think to ourselves, really, <laughs> you know, because, you know, Gerard gets a little thick and shaggy yeah. uh, when he's not working. And then he's one of those guys who, you know, when, when, you know, you know, six weeks before time, he, you know, goes out and does the thing and pulls it all back together. Uh, yep. that's going to get harder as he gets older though. I got to tell you that. Oh, yeah. oh yes, it will. And then the, uh, the last two 4Ks here, one is animated DC universe movie, Justice League, Dark Apocalypse War. Which again, not exactly horror, but apocalypse uh, kind of has a, a thing, you know, a Halloweeny sound to it. And uh, this is all about fighting Darkseid, the villain Darkseid, who's kind of like the Thanos of uh, DC. Um, and uh, they throw John Constantine in here, so yeah. you know, there's your there's your Halloween tie-in. Um, actually, it's pretty good. Uh, it, it's not it's it's on par with the uh, the rest of them, and it's got a, a showcase short here, Adam Strange. Uh, really, really good 4K. The animation always comes off really well. And then the last one is the new director's cut of uh, Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. Oh, yeah. Which looks really amazing. Yeah, it looks like it did. an anniversary. What is that? 2025 years? 2020? Something like that. Oh, man. Yeah. Something like that. What are we, uh, where are we at here? Uh, 2000. 20 years, man. Yeah. Okay. 20 years since Requiem for a Dream. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't love this movie at the time. I thought it got a little bit out of control, uh, and I'm kind of sick of addiction movies. But for Halloween, man, there's nothing scarier than uh, <laughs> looking your mind to a drug addiction and, and heroin. And Ellen Burstyn has some absolutely horrific uh, kind of fantasy sequences in this thing. And, you know, this is what launched Jared Leto as a, as a kind of a, a, a legit actor. In hey, many ways. Uh, and that Wayans boy too, uh, Marlon, I believe that was, yep, that, Marlon. that was Marlon's, uh, that was Marlon's moment to establish himself as a sort of dramatic, dramatically capable um, uh, actor. Uh, Which the way he is again in the new um, Sophia Coppola film. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. With Rashida Jones and, uh, yeah. and, and, and uh, Bill Murray at the, back at work. Again. Yeah. And, and I'm, have you seen that yet? Uh, no, I have not seen that yet. Uh, I heard, I heard him talk about it on film week. Uh, yeah, you know, the other the, our, our our colleagues, uh, yeah. and they both loved it. I, I it was getting some bad press initially. I watched it a couple of nights ago on uh, on Apple Plus, yeah, uh, Apple TV, whatever the hell it's called. And uh, you know, it's really good. It's right in the pocket with her her um her meditative stuff, like Lost in Translation, yeah. and Air, yeah. and and uh, Bill Murray is amazing. Rashida Jones is amazing. It's mainly about the two of them. 
and Marlon Wayans plays Rashida Jones's husband. And I mean, this doesn't give anything away. It's a question of, it's a fidelity thing. You know, yeah. is he or is he not being faithful to her? And she has all these worries and Bill Murray plays her kind of wackadoodle dad who was, you know, never around, but now, you know, he's sort of a, a, a globe trotting art dealer. Anyway, um, the person that doesn't get enough credit for why that movie works mm -hmm. is Marlon Wayans. Ah, because, yes, Bill Murray is the showcase guy and he's doing his shtick and he's got these great scenes where he chews the scenery and Rashida Jones is just wonderful and delightful. But ultimately, the thing hinges on is he or is he not a good guy? And Marlon Wayans doesn't have a ton of scenes in it. Mm -hmm. But every time he does have a scene, he has got to make you wonder. Yeah. That performance has to say, yeah, I'm a guy who could cheat on my wife. And the other half of the performance has to say, no, man, I'm a really good guy. I love my wife and I love my kids. Yeah. And I don't know if people appreciate how difficult that is for an actor to pull off. Ex absolutely true, Wade. Uh, you know, walking that sort of thin line. Yeah. Uh, because, because basically you have to play two different characters. That's it. Uh, you're, you're, you're one guy in this movie. And you yeah. got, but you got to play two different guys in this movie so, such that the audience cannot really figure out which guy you really are. And that's it. And everything that Bill Murray and Rashida Jones do hinges on the audience believing in that ambiguity. Mm. So if the audience doesn't believe that ambiguity, they're not going to believe that Rashida Jones and Bill Murray believe in the ambiguity. So it, it really is. Uh, it, it's, it's just a beautiful work. Everything about it. Sophia Coppola nailed it again. I'm sure a lot of it is it comes from, you know, her own life experiences. It often does. But anyway, Lost, Lost in Translation is one of my uh, one of, oh. just one of my favorite films of all time. Lost in Translation. I, same here. Love it. Love, love it. Oh. Work in that movie. Yeah. Lastly, too, let me let me make mention of some stuff for the kids, because we do have some uh, some kitty stuff here. Uh, there is Are You Afraid of the Dark from Nickelodeon, which was a, uh, a limited series event, they call it. Um, and not exactly typical of uh, what used to show up on, on Nickelodeon or what has in the past shown up on Nickelodeon, but it's a three-part limited series uh, that, uh, that's pretty creepy. It gets a little dark. It's not your standard Nickelodeon fare, and it's all about uh, this secret society called the Midnight Society and this girl who wants to, uh, to join it, and, it, and it all kind of takes you through the, uh, the, the, um, this event called the uh, Tale of Mr. Top Hat and the Carnival of Doom. And uh, it, it's, it's actually a little scary uh, for, for that crowd, but it winds up being uh, a, an awful lot of fun. And then a much, on a much lighter note is Zombies 2 on Disney. Uh, this is only on DVD. You can probably see this on Disney Plus as well, I'm sure. But, um, you know, nothing scary about this. This is, this is just, you know, like high school musical with zombie kids. Um, and uh, zombies, you know, don't see zombies too if you didn't see the first one. And then really young for my daughter's age is the, uh, the Wiggles, Wiggly Halloween. This is from Kino Lorber. And uh, the Wiggles are, you know, uh, one of the... They're just a really, really popular and very fun kid entertainment uh, series, and uh, they, you know, do all their singing and dancing and all that usual stuff. And none of it is scary, but all of it's very, very Halloweeny. So for the kids, that's what you got. You got Wiggles, Zombies, and uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark from Nickelodeon? What else do we have, Tim? Well, I, I, I know I told you I was going to start up, uh, up on some of that exploitation stuff, but actually, I jumped down to some of the newish movies. Uh, because there are several movies in there that I actually uh, had to see for Film Week. 
Uh, uh, so I figured I'd take I, I, I'd chit chat about those uh, a, a little bit. They are kind of horror e movie e sort of sort of movies, re- relatively speaking. The first one, Scare Package. Um, interesting little story, sort of storyline, little B movie storyline that incorporates uh, a whole lot of three horror movies in one movie. You got this guy; he runs this video store. Uh, uh, it's already we're already in Stranger Things territory. He has this one buddy he's talking to all the time, and he's telling this buddy about all the conventions of horror movies. Uh, and as he does so, we work our way through all these little segments. Uh, these several segments of horror movies, and it's kind of fun uh, and nothing you haven't seen before. But nevertheless, it's it's mostly funny, uh, but a little bit on the scary side. So scare package, not the worst uh, movie to watch uh, in the next four or five nights if you haven't got anything else to do. A whole lot of writers are credited because there are several segments, and each of the segments are written by different people. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, uh, the owners was a movie that I did that I had to see for film week, which was kind of cool. The thing that I loved about it is that Sylvester McCoy is in it, and Sylvester McCoy or something like the Sixth Doctor uh, in the Doctor Who series or something like that. Nevertheless, this was a this was a pretty interesting little 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 movie in the way that it has about three or four twists and turns in it, none of which you really see coming. You got these young people, uh, two knuckleheads, want to go and hit the house of these old people, including this doctor who lived way out in the, in, in the middle of the, the sort of British countryside. Um, uh, they understand that he has a safe, and in that safe there's some gold doubloons or something ridiculous. Like that. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and one of them has a, a girlfriend played by Maisie Williams, and folks will know Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. Yeah, I love Maisie Williams. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and so they do this. And they take Sylvester McCoy and his and, and his wife uh, Rita Tushingham. Love Rita Tushingham. Look her up uh, from uh, the, the sort of mod oh, yeah. British films. The knack and how to. Get oh it. man! Oh man! Oh man! Uh, 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 and and uh, and and they take them hostage and they threaten them and uh, and uh, the tables turn, and it turns out that you know something else is going on, and they probably shouldn't have took the old people hostage. <laughs> that's it's one of those yeah. things the kids find themselves in a hell of a lot of trouble um um so you know one of those i kind of liked it thought it was pretty cool twist and turns and twist and turns again uh the owners uh it would be cool if they put something on that box but i, I guess i bet they probably didn't did they nah really just to make it a featurette that's it that, nothing else that's kind of cool though um uh one called welcome to the circle this movie is completely wacky so um it begins with what is literally a random bear attack. Father, daughter out in the woods get attacked by a bear. Okay. <laughs> they get picked up uh, by this these people who happen to be uh, in a cult. Uh, the, the, the cult doesn't know it, but there's a infiltrator in their ranks, and the infiltrator is a demon. <laughs> so, okay. A random bear attack, a cult, a demon. Anyway, it's all completely it, welcome to the circle. <laughs> so what they all, and I feel like you know what? You're right. Welcome to the circle. That's some wacky shit. Wait, I know you saw Save Yourself. Oh boy, Save Yourselves. Yeah. I have to send people. I have to send people to the to the to the website, and so, so, so they can read your review. Yeah, it's it, it'll take you a long time to get through the review. It's uh, it's rather lengthy. Uh. <laughs> one 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 whole word. One word. Uh, uh, say a few more things about it on the, for the show, though, if you don't mind. 
here's the thing save yourselves it got it got a little bit of buzz from festivals and whatnot and and we get these emails that try to you know obviously they doll everything up and half the time it's not you know the publicists are doing their job they're making it sound uh significantly better than it has any right to sound um and uh the the, the in in the case of save yourselves it's about a couple who are so addicted to social media that they had they decide to take a hiatus from it and go to their little mountain getaway and as it happens in that very moment when they're putting down all their social media there's an alien invasion <laughs> now, now that as a premise i will concede is potentially very funny and cute and if it were in the hands of say you know uh the 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 uh Shaun of the dead guys yeah yeah or uh any of our other irreverent comic teams if that were in the hands of, of say matt and trey yeah. I, I think i'd be on board in this case it's badly shot underwritten not really i mean it's so low budget that you never really believe it's an alien invasion the whole thing just feels really really undercooked like they thought hey man we got a great premise we could we don't have to spend anything or do anything and uh, they it winds up being a completely missed opportunity it's really really unfortunate it's a total waste of time i can't believe i actually like sat there watching from beginning to end which i shouldn't have done but it was like a challenge i was challenging myself i'm like see if you can do it i dare you to stay awake and somehow i did so that that's I've said more about that than I than has any right to be said. Uh, that's funny. You said much more than you did in the actual review. I'm telling you, people go click on it uh, and and give that a go. Hey, wait is this is this the 1960s uh, uh, Thirteen Ghosts, the William Castle film? Oh uh, no, it is not. Oh they, no, it, yeah, no, uh, and and it's and this is a good point. We can we can hit these uh, these shout factory things right now. Because we got a bunch from Shout Factory. Uh, no, the uh, this thirteen ghosts unfortunately is not. This is <laughs> that would have been the, great. Uh, the, the, this is the one from two thousand and one. This is the two thousand and one kind of quasi remake directed by Steve Beck. Which, to be honest, it's not terrible. It, it's just cheesy enough. Uh, and you know, it's got Shannon Elizabeth in it from American Pie. So yeah. I mean, you know, there's something to be said for that. Um, kind of a cute, you know, audio commentary. I I, I don't know if this. Um, I don't. The weird thing about this is that it's got this weird kind of pseudo all starish cast, like mm -hmm. Tony Lube, F. Murray Abraham, Matthew Lillard, like a lot of people who aren't anybody anymore. But they, I mean, Tony Shalhoub is yeah. obviously. You know, he doesn't do do like anchor films anymore. Really, he's a yeah. TV guy. Um, so I mean, it's like it, it. So it does feel like a little bit like a time capsule, even though I hate to believe that. 20 years ago as a time capsule um but yeah i mean it's it's all right it's got new interviews with uh, with shannon elizabeth and and uh, john DeSantis, which is fine um and an audio commentary which is fine um but you know i mean people either love it or or, or don't so knock yourselves out uh here's the other stuff we got from uh, shop factory and scream factory we got collector's edition of ghost ship uh which i think actually has uh, some pretty cool moments in it uh, this is also directed by Steve Beck, same director as 13 Ghosts, who does a better job here because he has some better actors. Yeah. Uh, he does. I mean, you know, you, you got Gabriel Byrne and Isaiah Washington and uh, and Ron Eldred and Juliana Margulies. Better cast. Mm. On, on balance, much better cast. Less campy, especially Juliana Margulies, who really, really nails it. 
and um, you know, it's a it's a haunted ship thing. I mean, it's uh, you know, it, it, we've seen that a lot. It, it, it's as common as a haunted house, uh, but it pulls off. Uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie collector's edition. Uh, I had forgotten this even existed. Uh, wow, yeah, the, I remember that series. Yeah, this was from 1990, man. This is 30 years old. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> no, I'm like, gosh, that's that's when we met. I may have, that's, I may have done the junket for that movie. Yeah, I mean, this was this was right about that time. Uh, they, you know, it, it, it here's the, here's the weird part of this. So the source the source material of Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, you think, okay, Tales from the Dark Side, the TV show. No, but they went. It's not based on the TV show per se. Here, here are here's what they say. As far as the the actual stories that that are in here, and this this is you know kind of impressive. Um, Lot two forty nine was written by Michael McDowell, inspired by a story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Cat from Hell, screenplay by George Romero, based on a short story by Stephen King. Not bad, mm-hmm. right? Good lineage. And Lover's Vow, screenplay by Michael McDowell, period. So, same guy. But you're like, all right, fair enough. Michael McDowell's a really good screenwriter. Romero's awesome. Conan Doyle, Stephen King, very impressive. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Dick Smith, the legendary makeup guy, um, weighs in. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's better than the TV show. I can't say I love this movie, but it, it certainly ages well. And then uh, there have been a billion Phantom of the Operas made, uh, one by Dario Argento, which is absolutely relentlessly awful. Uh, and, uh, you know, the original is still always the best. But there is something to be said for the Hammer version, which mm. is all about now from Screen Factory, um, which was uh, directed by Terrence Fisher, great director of the period, did a lot of Hammer stuff and, uh, and written by John Elder. Uh, th- there is something to be said about this. It's a little bit different. Uh, it takes a kind of a sideways twist on it versus the the silent version, and um, uh, Herbert Lom plays the the lead in this, who's always been re- really really good. I think it's worth revisiting. I really do. Um, so this is a uh, you know this is from 1962, that great legendary year that we talked about with Stephen Farber in his book uh, some months ago, and uh, I would say this is good for people to revisit, even if you don't you know you kind of are fed up with all the remakes of it. This is this is one you might want to check out. Great audio commentary here by Steve uh, Haberman of uh, filmmaker and uh, uh, and Condi Nast um, and uh, Troy Howarth again and Daniel Thompson do an audio commentary as well, and then a bunch of featurettes and uh, a cut version from television, which takes us to Kiss of the Vampire Collector's Edition. No. Uh, this is a uh, this is from the Universal Library. I don't know how they got this, but it's this is also from uh, 1962, and uh, it's it's it, John Elder also wrote this. Um, this is again a Hammer film, but somehow it it belongs to Universal now, and mm. I don't quite know how that how that happened. But uh, different director here, Don Sharp. The, this is not a great Hammer film. Uh, it's about a you know a. a a honeymooning couple that run into a family of vampires and, you know, you can kind of fill in the rest. Uh, it, it, but it's a, it's a little, it dates. It, it feels, it feels like a, it feels like, it doesn't feel like a hammer film. Mm-hmm. It just feels, feels a little cheesy and exploitation-y and like something, it feels like a Frankie and Annette movie that went wrong 
and then lastly, on the hammer end, or not the hammer end, the uh, the uh, Shout Factory end. Yeah, yeah. Two more volumes in the Universal Horror Collection, volumes five and six, which are going pretty deep in the Universal Horror films. There's nothing left of the 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 Frankenstein and Mummy and Wolfman and Dracula stuff. So now uh, we are down to in volume five, the Monster and the Girl, which is a monkey movie, big giant <laughs> gorilla, Captive Wild Woman which is another gorilla movie. Uh, and then Jungle Woman and Jungle Captive. Uh, n these are all a little bit silly. And uh, I think you really have to be a huge, huge fan of the, the studio and the genre to really go to this. These are all from the 1940s. And then in volume six, uh, it, it gets a little bit better. These are, these are some interesting films. Black Castle. Mm-hmm. Cult of the Cobra, The Thing That Couldn't Die, and The Shadow of the Cat. Um, these are getting a little bit more interesting because by now we're into the 50s and 60s. And there's a change in the way that monster movies and genre movies and exploitation films were done once you get into the 50s. It's post-nuclear. So everything is kind of a post-nuclear, post-World War II allegory. When it's during World War II... Uh, you want to escape from World War II. Yeah, not yeah. After the nuclear bombs, now there's a whole new thing. So it's really interesting to look at them through that kind of a uh, that kind of a lens. Um, some very good audio commentaries on here, especially on Cult of the Cobra, with uh, uh, Tom Weaver, Steve Cronenberg, David Schechter, and Robert J. Kiss. And then an audio commentary with uh, Tom Weaver and Courtney Joyner on The Thing That Couldn't Die. Those are the ones I think are are, are the best here. And then you also have, you know, some good stuff, uh, some featurettes, an interview with uh, an actress and an audio commentary on The Shadow of the Cat and uh, an audio commentary with Tom Weaver on The Black Castle as well. So Universal Horror Collection, Volumes 5 and 6. Anything else, uh, Tim, on your end that you, you want to recommend? Well, I, I was looking at this Bloomhouse collection, this Bloomhouse 10 Horror Movie Collection. This seems pretty yeah. damn cool. Man, Bloomhouse, they, they, when they blew in... They 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 just cultivated or perhaps tapped into a a dynamic, uh, yep. and they sort of worked their way up the scale from some really sort of like B level stuff uh, right up to Get Out, which is a part of this uh, uh, this this ten movie collection. So uh, you got Get Out on on this thing here. You got Happy Death Day. Uh, you got The Purge, Ouija, uh, The Boy Next Door, Unfriended, The Visit, Split, uh, and The Truth or Dare movie and that movie ma with olivia spencer yeah uh, interesting uh, next next uh actually tomorrow morning i'm going to be taping for for friday a horror a horror movie a black horror noir movie Ooh, section cool. uh uh for, for for film week just about all, all of these movies um we're going to be talking about you I, I think i sent you an email a couple of days ago yeah. you know yeah. Uh, and uh, so anyway, this is that's pretty exciting right there. Anything anything I mean, other than the 10 movies, what else? Did you get no, I mean, there, there are featurettes and, and, and some commentaries, alternate endings, deleted scenes. A lot of there, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. The thing that I think is really cool is that it, it's uh, you get the movies anywhere codes. So oh. you can immediately add these to your movies anywhere account and they'll populate across your voodoo and your Google Play and everything else. So, I mean, um, and then, so everybody in the house can watch them on any TV in the house, and uh, you can have them running on all the TVs in the house if you have a lot of TVs, and then you can really freak people out. <laughs> I mean, I think this is a great collection, too. I mean, the, the, there there aren't many ringers in here. Um, they're all kind of classic Blumhouse well, they're, they're, they're all hits. I mean, they're all, you know, depending on, on exactly when they uh, you know appear in the canon. 
uh, they're all, you know, uh, effective uh, within the, the the context of the scale that they exist. I mean, obviously, get out, get out is at the top of the. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the purge, get out, happy death day, and ma uh, are worth the the price purchase alone. Mm -hmm. Those, and you know, everything else has has a profile too. But yeah, that's not not bad at all. You get get out on. Uh, on movies anywhere you know we also have another collection it's not as good as that it's a uh, 10 frightening films uh a deadly place this is from mill creek and uh they went and got uh, 10 kind of you know second tier but but passable films you can put this on during a party or something um there's nothing here that anybody's really really going to go nuts for most of this is is 90s a couple of them are 80s uh you know uh, one in the after after 2000 uh there's one from the 1970s but here are some of the the titles cardiac arrest fred ward and max gale uh the dead hate the living with uh eric clausen and jamie donahue um shrunken heads with meg foster from 1994 oh, i love that movie it's not bad it's not <laughs> that's, that's so it, much fun. That, that's got a haitian voodoo thing going yeah. you might want to add that to your list too yeah. um uh, Tunnels with Catherine Bach and John Saxon from uh, 1988. Uh, Grim with uh, from 1995 with uh, Emmanuel Zwereb. And uh, Day of the Animals, that's the only one from the 1970s. That doesn't date terribly well, but it's still kind of fun because it's got an environmental plot to it. It's got Leslie Nielsen and Linda Day George. Uh, it's rated PG. It's far and away the, the least offensive of any of these. <laughs> Um, uh, it's, uh, it, 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 the idea here is that the, um, the ozone layer has become so depleted that once animals get above 5,000 5, feet, they go bananas. They go crazy. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so you naturally, naturally you, you got this, uh, you got this issue where these hikers, uh, just happen to be at the wrong altitude at the wrong time, man. <sighs> so anyway, that's, uh, that's 10 frightening films, a deadly place from Mill Creek. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Um, there's this one called Bloody Massacre, and I, I chose it because the lead is uh, David David Naughton. Uh, and, and you know, and this is kind of a neat movie anyway. It's a, it's about it's about this guy played by David Naughton, who's this uh, used used to be, was a young wonderkin horror director. Now he's this older guy because David Naughton is an older guy. We think about David Naughton. And what's this? What's this called again? Uh, uh, Bloody Massacre. Oh, Bloody Massacre. Brutal yeah. Massacre, a comedy. Brutal Massacre. Brutal Massacre. It's the name of it. Brutal Massacre or Comedy. Yeah, uh, get that straight. Anyway, so David Naughton is playing this director. So it's a movie within a movie kind of kind of, kind of of thing. He's this horror guy, and he gets one last chance to make a good horror film called uh, uh, Brutal Massacre. And everything goes wrong because during the making of the horror film, it's a brutal massacre. All of that's fine. It's, it, it, but what I love is that it's David Naughton uh, from, American, from American Werewolf uh, uh, in London. Uh, and from the Dr. Pepper commercials of my youth. Uh, and David uh, is 74. No. Uh, 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 nah. No, he's born in 51. So he's, he's 69. Sorry. Oh, okay. 69. Still oh. old. Uh, but, but nevertheless, 51, right? Uh, so, yeah, 51. Yeah. So, uh, you know, anyway, uh, David Naughton uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in another horror movie, still starring, still the lead. Which, how far? How far? How far away is Tom Cruise from sixty? Uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise and I are the same age, so Tom Cruise is fifty nine. 
Okay. Yep. I, I, it'll be a very depressing day for me. Yeah. Well, well you, you know, yeah, you're eternally youthful to me, and I guess so is Tom Cruise. But somehow that will hit me like a like a ton of bricks. No, like a ton of bricks, no. like a ton of bricks. Uh, no. This is just this one uh, called Uncle Peckerhead here. Uh, yeah. You got to tell me if there's anything on this box. It's about a punk band. They go into a they blah blah blah. They end up with this demon, a man eating eating demon. <laughs> <laughs> called Uncle Peckerhead, but you know he makes the band really, really popular. But what are you going to do? That's great. <laughs> when a man eating demon joins your band, not not much by way of extras. There's a there's some trailer, cast and cast and crew commentary, uh, and then there is a short film and a music video from the Uncle Peckerhead universe. Oh, wicked cool! Uh, and then there's this one called Haunt, which is actually cool because it's an actual Halloween movie. It's a movie set in a haunted house on Halloween. Um, uh, it's one of those movies where the the haunted house stuff. Um, one of these big sort of gigantic haunted house things, and it turns out uh that the Creepy clown here on the on the artwork. Yeah, the haunts yeah. are real. The haunts are real. They're not produced by Eli Roth. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, so that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I love the tagline on this. What are you carving this Halloween? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh no! There are a ton of extras on this thing. Um, audio commentary with the with the actors, uh, featurettes galore, interviews, another audio commentary with uh, with the writers and directors, uh, and a short film. It's uh, it's pretty. That's pretty loaded up. And speaking of Eli Roth, Eli Roth also has our uh, our television entry uh, this week, which is season one of uh, Eli Roth's History of Horror. Uh, not bad, man. Really not bad. I, you know, we, we have mixed feelings about Eli Roth. We've, we've all interviewed him on occasion too. Uh, yeah. and, you know, he can be a little bit, a uh, little bit excessively gory in his own films, but yeah. I will say this, he definitely is a scholar of the genre. Yeah. And, uh, so what is, so this is a really, really interesting season. A lot of great interviews here. It, it, uh, it goes not just into the history of horror films, but the, the impact of horror films and their relevance. Why are they important? Because they are very easy to dismiss. We make fun of them a lot. And, uh, but yet they are the most profitable genre by mm -hmm. far. Mm -hmm. Why is that? So uh, he gets into that. You know, why are horror films uh, uh, popular? Why do people like to be afraid? It's very interesting. A lot of great interviews and, and people here. Uh, everybody from Roger Corman and Joe Dante and Stephen King. To Tarantino and and uh, Edgar Wright, Diablo Cody, John Landis, it's great. A lot of great stuff, um, and uh, some little extended featurettes as well. So from AMC Studios on Blu-ray, Eli Roth's History of Horror season one, very very highly recommended. Um, what, also got what, what game of death is 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 the one in the stacks? What game? Oh, the game of death. Uh, that is obviously not the Bruce Lee game of death. Um, let me let me dive in. I'll get right to that in just a second because that's actually worth talking about. But I wanted to hit some some foreign titles really quickly. Oh, okay. Um, animated film from Leon and Cochina, which is a a kind of borrows a lot from Czech animation. It is really really super creepy, bizarre, weird. Um, this is a Chilean Spanish language but Chilean uh, animated film, and uh, it's got a little bit of, a little bit of German in it. Uh, it's a, it's about a girl who, uh, escapes from this crazy German kind of cult group and winds up taking refuge in this abandoned house where she is befriended by a couple of pigs. And then it gets weird, like really weird. 
and uh, it is it is it might be the the actual scariest movie that you see mm. uh, this week. The The Wolf House by Leon and Cochina. I have never seen any other movies that this this team has done, but I want to now. It's nuts. Is it as scary as Deerskin? Oh, dude, I'll pull Deerskin right out now. No, <laughs> Deerskin is scarier. Yeah, Deer, man. This is Durant. You want to talk about Deerskin? Oh, do well, you go ahead and start? It's uh, I saw that one for for I saw that one for uh, Jean Dujardin. Uh, du, du oh my yeah. God, that's just so Quentin Dupieux, who directed this, uh, is 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 super edgy and 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 really kind of hardcore. Uh, and Jean Dujardin can go dark if he needs to, mm. and when it's funny and dark, it just makes the whole thing absolutely terrifying. I thought this was going to be really really hilarious. And it is kind of for a minute, yeah. And then, and then it goes sideways in like a man bites dog kind of way. Um, it's super short; it's under eighty minutes. Thank God I couldn't have taken any more. I love Jean, Jean Dujardin, but not when he does this. <laughs> Dujardin plays a guy basically who has this strange obsession with this old kind of Western cowboy buckskin fringy deerskin coat. Yeah, and um, and it it just. I mean, then he becomes, you know, he he becomes friends with this character played by Adele Hyannell and uh, decides to kind of uh, make a movie about himself. Dude, take it away. Oh, and and, 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 and and he's not, he's pretending to be a filmmaker. She assumes that he's a filmmaker, but he's not. And, and she yeah. sort of buys into it and she sort of becomes this de facto producer. And the, but the dynamic is this. It becomes unclear who is in charge of things, him or the coat. Uh, yeah. So he starts talking to the coat now, but it's not. But, it, but it's like it's in. It's the, like a possession. No. Yeah. He's it, it, something screwy in the head. Yeah. So he he's gone. You know. You, yeah. We never actually hear the coat, uh, but but they have these. And and and, and uh, it, it's and and the next thing you know, uh, you know, people start dying, <laughs> and that's uh, and and you just don't see the movie going there. No. From where the movie begins, you know, he has this, this, you know, sort of obsessive guy who has this obsession with this woman. But yeah, man, and uh, yeah, uh, what the hell? Totally agree. Uh, we got another one here from Film Movement: Zombie Child by uh, Bertrand Bonello, uh, which is, uh, you know, this this may run around the the uh, film festivals, and I, this is this is the more legit arty kind of horror film. Um, this is a Haitian, well, not a Haitian film per se, but it takes place in Haiti. It's a French film. Mm. Uh, it takes place in Haiti in the 1960s where a man is legitimately brought back as a zombie from the dead and then made into a field worker. And then you flash forward a half a century to the 90s. Uh, or, the, or, the, or it's like, no, it's... it's uh, yeah, it is. Is it the 90s or is it after 2000? I think it's after 2000. You flash forward. I think it's after the year 2000. And um, there's a, uh, a now there's there's a connection to it that's happening in a French boarding school with this uh, this this young Haitian teenager. Won't give you how how it all kind of ties together, but it is it's really 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 well done, and it has a cool short film on it as well, and an audio commentary by Bertrand Bonello. It's worth checking out. Zombie Child. It's, it's sort of like a quasi-true story. The stuff about the guy, is it? what happened to him, is true. 
is it? Yeah. Uh, that if you look up that guy, that guy's a real guy, and you'll and you'll find a whole you know Wikipedia page about him and how um, he he was taken and he was quote unquote turned into a zombie. Now there's this thing that happened to them. Uh, the, title, the title will tell you yeah. roughly where, where where this is going, but yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, and he's gone for, a, and then uh, one day he's able to to sort of overcome what has happened to him, and he and he returns to his family twenty years later after working in these fields, you know, quote unquote, as a zombie. That and, all and, and, happened. And zombie here is is spelled with uh, no e. It's z o m b i. Yeah. By the way, we're gonna look it up. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about this movie is it is it is very much an allegory, and it's an allegory about um, the degree to which the things we do and the things that are done to us may be visited on our posterity. I'll leave it there, but it is very, it is, it is, it's a very interesting film. Uh, coma. No, not the Cronenberg coma. Uh, um, unfortunately, this is a German film called Coma. And uh, it's a uh, it's about a, this guy who has an accident, and then um, he, you know, wakes up from his coma, and he the world has changed, and everything is weird, and the laws of physics don't work anymore, and it's all dystopian and post apocalyptic, and um, he now has to sort of figure out what happened, and um, you know what to do about surviving in this world. So, hey, so it's I, like he, it's like he, it's like he went into a coma and, and, and at the end of twenty eighteen, yeah, and woke up like now. Like exactly. This is kind of like. Let me put. It, let me see if I can find a, a good way to do this. This is a little bit like um, Memento meets Omega Man meets uh, the Road Warrior meets some kind of a Christopher Nolan movie. Other than Memento. <laughs> other than Memento. Uh, 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 anyway, that's on Blu-ray. And, uh, you know, let's do the giveaway now. Okay. So we got a cool movie as a giveaway. We're giving away three copies of Broil from Wellgo. Um, Broil is really cool. Perfect Halloween movie. It's scary, not too scary. Uh, directed by Edward Drake. And here's the idea. You got a uh, teenage girl who goes to live with her grandpa and uh, on his great big kind of weird freaky gothic estate. And um, in th there, there's things are not as they should be, and of course there's some weird crap with the family, like her. There's an ancient family kind of a culty thing going on, and um, enter a uh, a hitman who um, comes in at exactly the right time with exactly the right attitude to uh, to help the girl out. I think this is a cool, and the title will tell you a lot. Broil. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's got a lot of fun. It's got a lot of fun for for like haunted, uh, uh, culty movies in this genre. Like you know, it's a little, little bit of Rosemary's Baby, a little bit of a lot of things, but it's really really fun. And we're giving away three copies. So go ahead and email us, and uh, you know we'll we'll take we'll we'll be giving these away until uh, November fifth. So as long as you get it to us by November fifth. Gods at digigods.com, gods at cinegods.com. Put the word broil in the title. Broil, B-R-O-I-L. And uh, name and address in the body of the email and uh, get it to us by November 5th. And uh, we'll send three copies out. We'll let you know. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? Anything that uh, you see? Uh, well, I, uh, up, up in the exploitation films, uh, I think some of, the, some of the Italian, Spanish films, I see The Lady Kills, uh, 1970, 1971. 
uh, uh, Jean-Louis Bell film. I remember this film um, uh, for whatever reason. It was like oh, a, yeah. it was like a, um, a, a young couple kill, killing spree movie that we would that we would get a few of in the in the '90s. Uh, that Oliver Stone film. Uh, the other one with Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis. Yeah. Uh, where this was just you know same literally the same thing. 1971 film. This young couple, so and they they're killing the like men like you know terrible men who yeah. try to do stuff to her and whatnot. But that's what they're basically doing. Uh, in that movie, uh, you know, a full, you know, I don't know, whatever, 20 years before we they did them here in the United States. That was very interesting. So anything on that box, that would be unfortunate. You know, there's uh, not really, but there is a second feature uh, from 1972 uh, from the same director called Perverti Perver Pervertissima. Pervertissima. Uh, okay. <laughs> which, 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 uh, I, which I did not watch. I've read a little bit about Pervertissima, so I can't, I can't vouch for for how it's uh, how it's described. But it is uh, presumably a combination uh, between a Mondo movie and a Mad Scientist movie. Uh, sounds completely crazy and uh, and unhinged, but you know you get two there. Uh, as long as you tapped into that one, let me make quick mention of uh, that's from the Mondo Macabre. Library, and there are three others from that too. There's the Japanese film Gemini by Shinya uh, Tsukamoto, which is, um, you know, Japanese horror is is has always been difficult. <laughs> and this is an early, kind of an early J horror film from the late '90s, 1999. Um, uh, and and you know, uh, Tsukamoto is the guy that did uh, Tetsuo. Uh, so, you know, you kind of know where that's, where that's coming from. This takes place in Tokyo in 1910, and, uh, it's about this, uh, this guy who takes over a, uh, his dad's medical practice, mm -hmm. and, um, pretty soon everything in his world and, uh, his relationships begins to deteriorate, and, um suddenly he's face to face with a with a killer and there are all kinds of secrets revealed and it gets it increasingly dark and depressing and horrifying and, and nasty uh it's pretty much a shinya tsukamoto movie we also have a satanico pandemonium which uh is what you pretty much what you would expect of a of a of a, a mexican horror film from 1975 i mean that's exactly what it is the color of the blood isn't right <laughs> um the, the the costume the acting is completely overwrought the uh the costumes are completely uh overplayed they all look like they were dug out of some you know chest for uh halloween costumes everything is uh, is really silly but the transfer is phenomenal they went back to the original elements for this transferred it all from the original uh negatives and it's and on blu-ray it just pops it's crazy like the red is so the blood is so red it, it almost makes your eyes hurt. Uh, uh, really, it's very, it's very, very. It's it's so it's worth watching just because there's kind of a, a funky camp factor to it. Um, anyway, then we also have lastly from uh, Mondo Macabro is an ideal place to kill by Umberto Lenzi. This is a uh, an Italian French co-production from 1971, kind of the same period, a little bit more legit, not quite as uh, as ostentatious and campy, but it's still kind of. You know, it still dates, but it dates in a in a in sort of a cool way. And uh, Lindsay is is uh, famous because he made um, uh, Cannibal Ferox, which is a totally. Uh, I mean, it, it was banned all over the world. Uh, <laughs> this, is not, this is not that. This is not that shocking. But uh, this also is a very very nice transfer. And uh, basically, you know, it's a it's a has a little kind of Scandinavian porn 
sidebar to it as a lot of these films did so that you would get a little bit of nudity and 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 gore all together in the same film and um you know uh irene pappas shows up ah. for, for some strange reason and i can't figure out why but there it is an ideal place to kill there's one here that i see that i got to talk about a little bit it's called carnival magic uh and it's a 1983 film from uh directed by a guy named al adams adamson uh, who goes back? Who went back a thousand I'm years? Exploitation king. Only, only exploitation. Yeah, he went back to he went back to you know like I don't know whatever the the, the middle thirties uh, and and worked until about the, the middle nineties. He passed away in the middle nineties. Uh, and uh, and I and and he is one of again one of those those old guys that I happened to interview way back in like nineteen ninety three four or five or whatever the hell it happened to be. Uh, and and in nineteen eighty three though he made this movie. Carnival Magic, which I happen to have seen in 1983, which is why I wanted to talk to him in 1993 when I, you know, uh, one of those things. And uh, so this movie was like this really, really uh, sort of wacky, but sort of interesting movie just in, in what it was about. It's about this guy uh, who's a magician who joins a carnival. He has this chimp, right? The thing about, about them is this. He can actually read minds and levitate people. So the act is really great <laughs> because he can read, and the chimp can talk, except that the chimp can actually talk. So what was it in the 60s and 70s that people were obsessed with monkeys and chimps? <laughs> like gorillas, there were gorillas and chimps in movies all over the 60s and 70s. I mean, was, I, I don't get it. Like, like women having sex with gorillas. Oh and, man, and they were hyper bright and was horny gorillas and and and, 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 and apes and all those reasons. Insane. So much, it's crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy. Anyway, it's just the wackiest premise for a movie. The lion guy, the lion, the the, the lion tamer guy, uh, sort of like catches on that monkey can really talk and 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 uh, you know kidnaps the monkey. Uh, uh, so it's t- totally wacky movie. Anyway, this guy, he's he's just one of those old guys, uh, and uh, uh, just you know cheesy horror films across his entire career but it's a long 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 lived career that goes right up uh, until yeah he dies in 1995 his last movie was uh uh 1994 <laughs> so, so that's that's what i'm talking about baby uh wow. that's the way to do it so anyway al adamson so uh, so you mentioned game of death earlier so yes we have game of death out from uh mvd visual uh this game of death is not the bruce lee game of death let's underline that this is a brand new movie from cleopatra entertainment by way of mvd and it is a horror comedy that is not especially horrifying not especially funny but it's horrifying and funny enough in fits and starts to actually make it uh to make it worth watching i i do think there this has a lot of fun stuff in it um this is about a bunch of kids who are who, who play this game that they call game of death uh, and they they think it's just a, a board game, but then it turns out that the it isn't, <laughs> and and uh, and uh, it's not. It, it I think they're very conscious of all the Ouija movies, all the Ouija movies that kind of do something similar where people get together in like an old house and go, let's play with the Ouija board, and of course you know then things go wrong. So I I think it means to riff on that a little bit. Uh, but it kind of goes its own way, and it has all kinds of really, really funny moments and some very, very good casting. It's a young cast; they're all very talented. I think you'll see more of them over the over the next few years. Um, I want to also make quick mention of uh, a couple of uh, Kino titles here uh, from the Kino uh, Studio Classics line, which deserve uh, a little push during Halloween. Mm-hmm. Curse of the Undead 
is a really, really underrated 1959 uh, horror film uh, that it deserves to be rediscovered. It, I mean, this was, you know, we're talking about universal horror. Uh, this is one that I, I had forgotten even existed. I saw this when I was a kid. Uh, Tom Weaver, whom we've mentioned doing a lot of these audio commentaries, he also does an audio commentary here. Um, very, very cool. So if you've ever seen Hondo, the, the John Wayne film Hondo, Michael Pate, who's also in that film, plays a vampire gunfighter mm. and uh it it's it, it, that alone is so cool because the idea of combining horror with other genres the west in this case making a western a gunfighter film and adding the vampire mix to it uh it was totally unique at the time yeah and uh it's really uh it, again it's kind of a, a an allegory um, but in this case, the guy who's terrorizing the town because he is undead, if you, you know, if you look, if you contextualize it alongside other Westerns of the period, the idea that the guy who kills is undead is a really, really interesting little paradox that, that turns the Western genre on its head. And there are all kinds of scenes and really great lines of dialogue here that are they're very, very smart. So I would recommend Curse of the Undead. It's a cool, cool little rediscovery from that post-nuclear uh, genre period of the 1950s. It next is The Face at the Window uh, by George King, starring Todd Slaughter. This is from 1939. It won't go down as one of the great films of 1939. Um, but it takes place in uh, in Paris in 1880. And there may be some... I, I didn't research this. There may be some some truth behind this story, but it reminds me a little bit of, uh, of some of the German uh, films like M., that deal with uh, with serial killers and child killers and whatnot. Um, and what's going on here is that there's a serial killer uh, roaming around with a particularly horrifying demeanor and a, and a horrifying way of, of, uh, of killing his victims. And uh, you you drop a couple of uh, you know a few other interesting characters into the mix who may or may not be on the uh, the killer's list. And um, it, it it winds up being kind of a kind of an uh, an Agatha Christie film meets a uh, uh, a German expressionist horror film, and uh, this was made in England. It's a British film. George King is a British director, so it has a little a little bit of the British Gothic thing going for it as well. So little Agatha Christie, little Conan Doyle, yeah. a little bit of, uh, German uh, Fritz Lang uh, expressionism. And uh, it's really, really, uh, it, it's got a lot of cool moods. So, um, you know, not, not again, not one of the more famous films from 1939, but worth checking out, The Face at the Window. Good. Let's see. Um, There's this one that I saw, again, up here in the Exploitation films you sent me. Yeah. Uh, the Revenge of the Living Dead Girls, which was a French film with an Italian version uh, from, 19, from, 19, from 1987, which I vaguely remember. Uh, it was in that whole run of uh, zombie movies, or, or it was that whole run of revival of zombie movies. The Night of the Living Dead movies were coming, were, were were into their chud and things like that. And yeah. this, one, this one was about was about you know some chemical company that dumps some stuff some some place and gets into the cemetery, and then uh, you know all these zombies. Next thing you know, you got zombie girls um, um, running around killing folks. Uh, and okay. but it's real. It was really one of those movies that wasn't about that at all. It was about corruption. Because that's what that's what those movies started to do. Um, yeah. They start they started to become about you know whatever whatever the zeitgeist was of the day. But those movies were about corporate corruption, 
uh, these corporations do, and that's uh, and then they get their comeuppance for the stuff that they were doing, and and that's what this one was doing. You know, they're not like these fantastic movies or anything like that, but it is interesting uh, that those movies started started to work their way from being just monster movies to being movies that had some sort of commentary about society that they wanted to make. Uh, by the time you get to these movies here, uh, I got got. A, uh, I'm going to go through a couple of. Um... Two pairs here. So we got two from Art Exploitation, who always comes up with really, really cool uh, newish uh, genre films. And the first one is The Dead Ones, which has the uh, the very telling tagline, "High school is hell." <laughs> uh, 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 and The Dead Ones is uh, from the same director who did the Attic Expeditions. If you if you ever saw that, which was uh, not bad, his name's Jeremy Caston. Uh, the, so any, anyway, this is kind of like, I, I want to say the, uh, the breakfast club gone way wrong, <laughs> like really, really wrong. Uh, these, these kids are on, uh, these, they're kind of, you know, not bad kids. They're just kind of misguided kids and they're on summer detention. And, um, uh, unfortunately detention, <laughs> detention means that they are, uh, they, they wind up not being in the world where it is safe. They are uh, now suddenly alone, and you know there's a they're being pursued and uh, by some pretty awful people. Not just one, but like a like a pretty messed up bunch of people. Um, so you know it's it's a little bit like uh, uh, the hills have eyes crossed with the uh, um, uh, the Breakfast Club, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, the one I find most interesting is Dead Dicks. So. Uh, the title, which is meant to grab you, and the funny thing is, it's called Dead Dicks because the the the, the guy the guy's name is Richard or, or Richie, so Dick being short for Richard. But Dead Dicks is meant to catch your attention. Go Dead Dicks! Oh my gosh! So no, get your mind out of the gutter. Here's the here's what this is going on. So this guy Richie is suicidal, and uh, his uh, his girlfriend runs over to you know on a particular. Um, moment when he she's afraid that he's gonna you know uh, off himself and finds him surrounded by his own corpses many of them the so what happens is that every time he kills himself it generates a dead body yeah he can't kill himself but he keeps generating his own corpses right um it's a it's a really interesting weird concept and i don't know that um, it fully pays it off. And because it is mostly contained in one apartment, you can tell that they were looking for like a weird idea that they could pull off on on, on the slide. This is a Canadian film, by the way. Uh, directors are Chris Bavoda and Lee Paula Springer, who do a very good job and explain a lot in the audio commentary that really helps you kind of get inside this. But ultimately, it is an allegory, and it, it's meant to sort of comment on a lot of um, a lot of Cronenbergian anxiety that seems to come from north of the border that that do doesn't necessarily generate south of the border. But uh, Dead Dicks definitely worth checking out. The other one is the Dead One. Both of those from Art Exploitation, and then from Vestron Video. These speaking of Cronenberg, these great throwback um, collector series uh, kind of VHS retro movies uh, is David Cronenberg's Shivers. Which is kind of a, a lesser-known Cronenberg film yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah, this is from 1975 uh, when Cronenberg was kind of still in an exploitation vein, but also had something to say. 
he does an audio commentary on this, and it's great. It makes the film so much better than it otherwise would be. Because Shivers is not a terribly good film, but it's got a lot of great Cronenberg elements, and you see him kind of working up what he's going to be and what he's going to do in his future films. There's also an audio commentary with Don Carmody, the producer, uh, and tons of interviews and featurettes. So not a great film, but in the context of everything that's on it, it is definitely worth checking out. And then Fred Savage and Howie Mandel and Little Monsters, not at all scary. It's just, you know, a silly movie. Um, but it was a fun thing from 1989 when it was made. I remember that. I remember yeah, Right. I mean, it, you know, he, he plays a kid in elementary school. Fred Savage does. He, he's kind of new to the town and, and uh, he makes friends with the, with the monster under his bed. And that kind of makes it all okay. And Howie Mandel plays the monster in, in makeup. I mean, it's, you know, it's okay. It's kind of... Uh, it's it's like E.T. with Howie Mandel and makeup. Exactly, I don't know. exactly. I got to call yeah. out one, man, that I had forgotten about. Uh, yeah. And I actually remember seeing this movie in 1974, The Beast Must Die. Um, it, it's sort of an amalgamation of movies. But the thing that's great, Peter Cushing in the movie, the thing that's great about the movie is that the wonderful uh, actor, uh, African-American actor Calvin Lockhart, was the actual lead of this movie. And, and uh, it, it's, it's basically a werewolf movie, but the way the story was set up is, is like this. Uh, this this guy that Calvin was playing, rich, rich, rich businessman, actually owns an island, huge estate on an island. And 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 through a whole bunch of complicated machinations, he's come to figure out that one of some, I don't know, six or seven people uh, are a werewolf. And he invites them to the estate, and he kind of shuts them down there. Uh, and uh, And he knows that eventually one of them will give up, give away, uh, that they are the werewolf, you know, and, and all of these people, none of these people are great shakes, um, but one of them is a werewolf, and then he's going to hunt the werewolf. Um, the, the 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 hook of this movie uh, back when it back when it opened, right? It was kind of a drive-in movie kind of thing. I remember my, my dad took it. Was that at, at the beginning of the movie, um, the audience is invited to try to figure out who the werewolf is, and and, and it's constructed in such a way that they give you these very sort of you know pointed clues. And then at the end of the movie, it took like, uh, you know, this, they, I, they called it the werewolf break. Right. And, 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 you, and everybody could just you sit, the audience in the movies, in the theaters, whatever, talk about who do you think the werewolf, who do you think the werewolf is? And, everybody, and then the movie started back up. And, and so it was very clever uh, in, 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 in all of these sort of ways, which I thought was kind of cool. But the thing that I love most about the movie is that it starred uh, the brother, Calvin Lockhart, in 1974, in a horror film, you know, some werewolf horror film, that wasn't really at all, in any way, shape, or form, about race. Um, uh, in 1974, it was just this straight-ahead horror film, uh, and they could have, you know, that could have been Steve McQueen or whoever the hell. Was he, was, he was in, uh, uh, was he in Cotton? Yeah, Cotton Club Cotton. Harlem. The great Calvin Lockhart. Died young Calvin Lockhart, gorgeous guy, but I think Calvin was around for a while. I was thinking of um, Cleon Lovell. Oh yeah, yeah. Who died? Who died young? You know, Calvin was around for a long time. Uh, she, Calvin, Calvin, Calvin was in Predator Two. Uh, oh, Calvin's one of those bad guys in Wild at Heart. He is in Predator Two. He is in Predator Two. Yeah, That's right. yeah, 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 yeah. Twin Peaks, Firewalk with me. Uh, you know, of course he, he was he was a really bad guy, and uh, and uh, let's do it again. Uh, you know, a great career, Calvin Lockhart. Uh, I got a little bit of trivia for you, by the way, on The Beast Must Die. You know who shot that thing, the cinematographer? Ooh. Jack Hildyard of Bridge in the River Kwai. Oh, get out. Yeah. What a good-looking movie. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I got a few, uh, got a few uh, Blu-rays here that we'll go through <coughs> real quickly. 
Uh, Nail in the Coffin, The Fall and Rise of Vampiro. Uh, for those who, who don't know who Vampiro is, he's a, he's a big, big in the wrestling world. And uh, this is a documentary that gets into uh, basically who Vampiro is and, you know, what, uh, where he came from and, you know, what makes him different. And uh, it, it is, it's pretty dark and pretty intense. And if you're going to pick a documentary for, uh, for Halloween, that's the one you should probably go with because it suits. Uh, almost like a documentary is Jeremy Renner in his star-making role in Dahmer, ah. where he is Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, like who would ever want to play that part? But Jeffrey, young young Jeremy Renner nailed it, and that's what kind of put him on the map. Uh, I don't know if the movie dates terribly well. It's you know, and I, I don't know that many people really want to uh, revisit Jeffrey Dahmer. But 18 years ago, that's where Jeremy Renner came from, and uh, he did a great job. And he may have won an Emmy for this too. I think I think that I was thinking that myself. Yeah, I was thinking about myself. Uh, we've also got uh, the Pale Door, which is pretty great. Uh, Pale Door is is another Western horror thing. This is made uh, for Shudder, the uh, the the horror streaming operation, and um, this is a, this is kind of a uh, it, it's a it's a revisionist look at the Dalton Gang story, uh, in which the idea of a ghost town is literally a ghost town, um, where they get to this ghost town and and there's a coven of witches who are operating there, and um, you know it's the Dalton Gang meets the supernatural, and it's done very very well. Uh, it's 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 not cheesy. It it honors the whole Western tradition. It's very well shot, and uh, it's it's quite well written as well. So I will uh, I will recommend The Pale Door among the more legit films that we're talking about this week. Um, and then uh, Snow White: A Tale of Terror with Sigourney Weaver and oh, Sam. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is from uh, when was this? When when did they do this? This is I I want to say late nineties maybe. Mm. Um. Anyway, it's it, it it was a while ago. Uh, so anyway, it's a horror kind of a horror take on Snow White with Sigourney Weaver, and she's very good in it, and Sam Neill is very good in it. And um, you know, I ninety-seven it, it was man, ninety-seven. That's what I thought. Yeah. Late ninety, yeah, feels like about twenty years ago. But uh, you know, of the Snow White films that deviate from Disney, this is the one that has the courage to deviate the most. A couple of other ones. Spooky House was utterly silly. I don't know why Ben Kingsley did this, but he did. <laughs> I don't know why anybody did this. Mercedes Rule is in this as well. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, this is, I think this is also probably from the late 90s. Uh, this is a, uh, another one of those movies that kind of tried to play up the horror comedy thing at the time. Uh, but really what you're doing is you're watching it just because Ben Kingsley is, is totally out of his element with a ridiculously campy part. And then Tales from the Hood three, yeah, man. Which I can't believe that this this got to got to that. But you know, you, you know Rusty, don't you? Oh yeah, you know Rusty back, way back in the day, uh, all the way back to uh, uh, Brothers with Hats. <laughs> Fear of a Black Hat. Fear of a Black Hat. Yeah, the, you know why I called it that? Uh, it's because when 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 they first shot that movie on VHS on VHS, I was working for ITC and ITC picked up that film. And that movie that movie was called for a moment. Two other things. One of them was Brothers with Hats. Yeah. Came Fever Black Hat to solve a play on uh, Fever Black Planet, the MBA. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that it was called before they called it Brothers with Hats was what it, it is, is what they refer to it as in the movie. So when you, when you watch the movie, 
they refer to it by its original name, which we can't say on the podcast. Yeah, uh, uh, it's the N word with hats, right? You know, yeah, it's just so funny. NWA, NWA. That's what they. Yeah. That was the whole song. Yeah. Right. and then and then for a little while there, we we would walk around because you know the execs we got sick of us. Like, good look, guys, could you call a movie something else? <laughs> and they say, okay, we'll call it Brothers with Hats. So we call it Brothers with Hats for a while. And eventually, Rusty figured out the theater of a black hat. That movie is still hysterical, by the way. So funny. It's so beyond funny. If you want, I mean, if you want to see Rusty and those guys and talking about horror, there's a there's a doc that's running on I think Amazon Prime right now called uh, 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 Horror Noir. Horror Noir is the name of the doc, and and Rusty's in the doc along with Ernest Dickerson, the great uh, the great cinematographer and director of. Of, uh, of of many films and uh, and uh, you you got uh, Tony Todd in the film. We played Candyman in 1990. So you know, uh, take a take take a take a look and see that. Uh, it's kind of an interesting documentary that sort of aggregates um, a, a whole bunch of thought about uh, black uh, horror. Well, horror. I, I'll tell you, Rusty Rusty Condiff, He and he he co-wrote, co-directed, and co-produced this with uh, Darren Scott. But Rusty is is just such a funny, funny, clever man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even once you get, you know, it's an anthology series, so it's always they're always keeping it fresh. There's no no sequel issues here. Tales from the Hood three, still very very funny. Produced by Spike Lee, who I'm sure didn't set fat, set foot on the set yeah. one. No. Uh, let's see what else we got. Let's let's uh, well let me let me hit these last four. We got four new Blu-rays here. Uh, actually five. So let me just go through these, uh, and then we'll get into some of the exploitation stuff, and then some things on Blu-ray. Uh, or on, on DVD, To Your Last Death is kind of good, uh, this is good sort of um, quasi-feminist, um, oh man, how do you even get into this? Um, this is this is just a kind of a crazy animated um, horror thing. I, it, 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 this is made for, uh, for Quiver, and... Um, it's basically a feminist revenge horror animated film. Mm. I don't know. There it is. There you go. Um, but uh, it, it's it's really cool. The artwork is great. The concept is cool. And uh, the real reason that you're you're into this is for the voices. Ray Wise, Bill Mosley, uh, Damien Haas, and William Shatner. William yeah. freaking Shatner. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's it's pretty great. To your last death, uh, is the film. Check it out. Uh, it's got it's it's funny and it's horrifying and it's just. I even totally... love the title. Huh? I even love the title. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar was in a movie called uh, Possession, which was um kind of which was okay, uh, when it first came out. I mean, this is also I want to say '90s, right? Mm-hmm. Most most of these feel like 90s this was a yari film group uh thing um yeah it's not you know nothing nothing particularly new uh kind of a standard possession movie but because that sarah michelle geller in her get it and she had done uh the two grudge films um it it had a little bit of a, a little bit of traction it's on deep it's on blu-ray it's worth checking out uh let's see swallow on blu-ray is a uh this is this is a little bit more serious. This is uh, from Shout and IFC. Um, this is about a a particular relationship that is I want to say it's in the Rosemary's Baby vein, um, 
but it certainly goes to some of the same issues about kind of Stepford relationships, Stepford marriages. That's kind of what it's commenting on in some sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it, it treats it in a similarly delicate way, a similarly kind of um, rose-colored way until that obligatory moment when everything kind of starts to, to degenerate and go completely haywire. And um, it's um, it's a, it's a little bit more intellectual and psychological than I think I would have wanted. I kind of wanted it to go uh, Polanski crazy in a way at a certain point, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily. But it, it comes close. So uh, that's probably you know if you if, if you do like that kind of a thing, that might be the closest to Polanski we have this week. Uh, and that movie is Swallow. Let's see. The other Lamb was an IFC film. Uh, it's kind of, um, it, and, it, you know, most of these m movies that deal with, with cults and religious, uh, religious enclaves and, and, and whatnot. Um, I, I, what, what was the Swedish film from like two years ago? Midsommar? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah. Ari, uh, what's the name of the film? Ari, Ari Aster, right? Aster, yeah. Yeah, which I thought was way too long. That thing is like at least forty-five minutes, yeah, way too long. All, all of Aries' films fall into the category of films I appreciate more than films that I like. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I kind of feel the same way. Um, anyway, this is this is kind of a similar sort of a thing. This this commune that's like a like a retrograde commune that lives as if it's in you know the nineteenth century and whatnot. Um, it, 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 but it but it goes into a midsummer kind of direction, but in a more uh, more measured, sensible way. So uh, if you like those kinds of films, it's called The Other Lamb. Uh, and then lastly, here is a movie called Starfish, which I don't even know how to describe this. There's uh, uh, this is about uh, interdimensional monsters and um, like. It's just it's it's a completely uh, very very strange. It's like it's like a Japanese horror film. I want to say it's a little bit like um, like The Ring in some respects, uh, but it, it, there's just no other way to describe it. Uh, the movie's called Starfish, and it is just absolutely um, it's just very very strange. It, it's very strange. It's it's literally inexplicable. Mm -hmm. uh, but but check it out. Uh, you know this did well at a lot of uh, festivals, including Fantastic Fest, and uh, it, it's very claustrophobic. It's about you know a woman trapped in an apartment and interdimensional monsters, and uh, you, you'll see. It's, it's but honestly, sometimes you just can't you can't you can't do do better than that. Um, Tim, let's go through some of these uh, last remaining exploitation titles here. Um, uh, Beelzebub. Buff. Uh, uh, yeah, there. It's sort of an interesting film. There, so you have this guy. <clears throat> he's a detective. He's in, 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 in investigating a sort of classic uh, school massacre sort of situation. Uh, before you know it, uh, the Vatican is involved because it looks like there's going to be there's going to be a demon. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, and anyway, it's uh, it, uh, it's uh, it's an interesting sort of amalgamation of these films. Actually, pretty taut is what it is. Mexican film. Uh, Mexican horror film. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, interesting, interesting little movie there. I don't know if there's anything on that box that would make it um, 
no uh, uh, useful. Absolutely nothing to take a look at there. Uh, Absolutely. Then we have another one of these movies. Uh, what it's just sort of taking advantage of a title, so it's called the Amityville Harvest. Uh, it has nothing whatsoever to do with any of the Amityville movies that you're thinking about right now. They just put the word Amityville in there. Word Amity in it. <laughs> Amityville. In it. Yeah, you know, and that's in the, uh, and, and look, you probably end up getting. Now this thing is pulling a three, a solid three. <laughs> on the old on the old IMDB. Uh, uh, so generally speaking, uh, some documentarians go out to this mansion. Uh, they're going out there for an entirely different reason. They're 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 investigating a, a history of of liquor smuggling uh, that the, the mansion had from the way way back in the 30s or whatever it is. But it, they, 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 there's this guy uh, who happens to be there, and uh, and uh, you know they get involved in this whole thing that has to do with him. Uh, but again. Uh, a three, so I'm not gonna. It's not like I'm recommending it. I'm just telling you that it's there. Wait, what the hell is Let It Snow? Uh, <laughs> a total Christmas movie, <laughs> a Christmas rom com. Yeah. So uh, Let It Snow. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go again. This is. I mean, it's it, it's just a. It, you know, Christmas horror movies. I don't know what's wrong with people, but yeah, Let It Snow. <laughs> and here's another one of those great taglines. It's got basically a picture of a guy. With uh, with an with an axe, and you can't see his face, and he's standing in the snow, and um, there there's like a trail of of, <laughs> of bloody stuff and footprints. Anyway, the tagline is, "They were warned." <laughs> well, you know, they were. Yeah, okay. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, um, this is about a couple of goes for a snowboarding vacation in this European remote, uh, re uh, resort. And uh, even though the, they, I don't know why people do this, like they are told, this is the they were warned thing, that there have been a lot of strange deaths lately on the trails around here. Oh, never mind. We'll be okay. We'll go snowboarding. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? Can't you go snowboarding somewhere else? Like if I go someplace, if I'm going on a hike, and there's like a like a like like let's say an old witchy lady at the at the at the beginning of the trail that says, you know, people die on this trail. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna find another trail. Yeah, thank you for telling me. I appreciate that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so naturally, you know, they they stay there for some stupid reason, and uh, and then next thing you know, some guy in a snowmobile is is uh, is attacking him and chasing him, and you know, there's it, it turns into a survival thing. So you know, there's a there's a homicidal maniac out on the on the snowboarding slopes. That's the idea. Uh, hey, you know what happens? Winding down here on the end, the eleventh commandment. This is from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, but you didn't know there was an eleventh commandment, did you, Tim? No, I did not. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it, 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 there's a good reason. Um, it's not a good one. So, so <laughs> Val, what else can we not do? Oh, you, 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 you don't want to know. Um, so this is this is about a guy who has been committed to an insane asylum wrongly by his uncle, uh, so that he can, his uncle can abscond with his inheritance. Yeah. So I mean, you know, right? It happens to everybody. And um, the the uh, so. He, basically, the asylum makes him. Uh, he wasn't crazy when he went in, but he's a homicidal lunatic uh, after not too long, and uh, naturally, that makes uh, getting revenge when he escapes uh, very entertaining. Uh, look out, Uncle Charles! 
So, uh, and you know, Uncle Charles is is quite a character. Uh, so the um, uh, yeah, the eleventh commandment um, is is an unusual insanity slash vengeance movie that um, kind of fell between the cracks. It was directed by Paul Later, and uh, this is I think from the late eighties, but it's. Um, it definitely uh, ages well. I think it definitely, definitely ages well. And it's got a lot of extras on it, interviews, featurettes, fun stuff, and a reversible artwork insert. Yeah. Jess Franco made a movie called Neurosis, otherwise known as Revenge in the House of Usher, yeah. um, back in 1985. This is kind of a late Jess Franco entry. And uh, it's just as cheesy as anything he ever made, but... Um, it, it, what's funny is that he he integrated stuff that he shot over previous decades into this. Mm -hmm. So so it's all sliced together with a lot of outtakes of various things, and um, it, it 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 surprisingly kind of sort of works. You can tell where he's where he's doing that, but um, in a, in a way, it kind of makes the whole thing even more insane. Um, and of course it has, you know, his usual, uh, sexual obsessions in it, but, uh, Jess Franco's neurosis revenge in the house of Usher. If you're a Jess Franco fan, not, not, uh, entirely out of the, you know, you'll probably enjoy it. Um, uh, let me go through a few of these from Severin. We got a whole bunch from Severin and we're running out of time here. So the Severin library has a lot of great exploitation titles from the past, uh, including Satan's Slave which uh, has developed kind of a cult following over time. The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, W-A-R-D-H. Um, uh, the Horrors of Spider Island is actually quite fun. I don't know if you've ever seen that, Tim. Yeah, the Horrors of that one. Island. This is, this is a, uh, a German uh, co-production from 1960, originally made as a movie called Body in the Web. Um, and it, this comes with two versions on it, the, the original version and the alternate U.S. version. Uh, which is considerably toned down, but um, it, it's it's actually kind of fascinating. It's it's sort of a um, a, a nudist horror movie in many respects, and it was banned in the UK for a while. And um, but it's it's really it's pretty insane. Uh, they went back to Dusseldorf in Germany, found the original negative or the dupe negative, and they uh, they restored it and scanned it, and it looks absolutely pristine. The black and white photography is chilling. Horrors of Spider Island, um, a really interesting one. When the Wind Blows is a kind of a creepy, apocalyptic animated film that uh, also has kind of fallen out of favor and uh, disappeared a little bit. It's really well worth uh, rediscovering. The late Nick Redman does an audio commentary on this that you have to hear. It's absolutely superb. And there's a David Bowie, a title song by David Bowie, and the score by Roger Waters. Oh, is yeah. And there, the 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 lead voices here are John Mills and uh, Peggy Ashcroft. Um, really, really, you know, great Dame Peggy Ashcroft who won uh, Best Supporting Actress for David Lean's final film, uh, Passage to India. Yeah. And then the uh, the last few here from Severin. Uh, Lucio Fulci's Enigma, A-E-N-I-G-M-A, -E oh, spelled yeah. Enigma. Again, kind of a classic uh, 80s Lucio Fulci film. It's got, you know, some decent effects in it. Another Jess Franco film called Shining Sex, which was just a total shameless attempt to capitalize on The Shining in 1975, which, of course, was a, was a, was a you know, it had been a book already. Yeah. Uh, and Stanley Kubrick's film was still some days off. But, um, you know, it's, um, 
I mean, you know, shining sex. Come on. It's Jess Franco just trying to make a buck or two. Um, uh, Fulci for Fake, which is a, um, uh, a docudrama about Lucio Fulci. Oh. Not exactly, you know, ideal. I mean, it's not scary or anything, but, but it's it's relatively interesting. I, I'm not a big Fulci fan, but um, another Lucio Fulci film called uh, Demonia. Oh, I reviewed that movie. That's like the early '90s. Yeah, it's it's a it's a you know what they what they call nunsploitation. Yeah. It's a horror film set in a set in a convent. Um, it's it's bloody. It's kind of silly, but um, you know, for the genre, it's it's enjoyable. And then one called Blood and Flesh. Which, speaking of Al Adamson, this is all about the uh, the career and the life of Al Adamson. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Which frankly, yeah, which frankly is not as interesting as you would think. Oh, uh, the movies are more interesting than the guy, but it's got it's got its moments. It's got its moments. So let's see. Uh, we're down to the bottom here. Only got a few more left. Um, Fear Farm. Tim, did you see Fear Farm? I don't think I remember that one. So Fear Farm is spelled P-H-A-R-M. Get it? Farm like pharmaceutical? Uh, yeah. It, this is basically a uh, – it's kind of a riff off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and not a, not a terribly good one, but um, it, it has some – oh, it, it has some kind of meta moments in it that I think are maybe maybe worth it for fans of the of the of the genre, uh, fans of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. You might want to check it out just because it does kind of wink at you a little bit. Um, then we've got Killer Therapy, which is fine, I guess. This is a new uh, film. This is DVD only. This is all about a. Um, and this is another kind of a mentally disturbed youth movie. Um, like about a kid with anger issues. I'm not fond of necessarily, you know, I can take pretty much anything, but when they kind of take real life problems and uh, try to exploit them in a way that doesn't necessarily comment on them in a meaningful way, mm. I kind of feel there are too many disturbed kids out there to necessarily kind of make them the center of a, of a horror film yeah. without without commenting on that. So I, I, I won't recommend that. I'll just make I'll only uh, make mention of it. They're going to go see Joker. Sorry, say again. Everybody's just see Joker if you want to see that. Yeah, exactly. By the way, speaking of Joker, um, the the new Mel, have we talked about the new Mel Gibson Santa Claus movie. No, I don't think we did. Uh, Where is that streaming? It's it it it's not out yet. It it's uh, out. I think end of November. Is it? Um, which let me let me see when that exactly uh, gets released. Um, I watched it about a week ago. I don't remember if I said anything uh, on the show about it. Let's see here. The The trailer is hilarious, actually. It's called Fat Man. Fat Man. Uh, okay. And the trailer is hilarious. It looks really, really dark. Um, you know, Mel Gibson plays uh, a nasty, vengeful Santa Claus who has to fight off a, a kid who's hired a hitman to take him out because he got a lump of coal one year in his stocking. <laughs> no, that's not, right? That's the thing, this, this nasty kid. But watching it, I swear, I, I didn't laugh a lot. It's basically the Joker of Santa Claus movies. <laughs> I'm like, damn, this is really. I was hoping for like bad Santa, but this is this is something else entirely. I don't know how it's going to do. I really don't. I mean, it's good, but you're like, ooh, it's it's a sort of weird juxtaposition for Mel, just because of the sort of, yeah. you know, you know, it's it's yeah. that's that that might be the problem there, but we'll see. 
Uh, let's see. Sarah Bolger in uh, A Good Woman is Hard to Find. I love these titles. It's too funny. Uh, yeah, Sarah Bolger, who's who you might remember from uh, Mayans on television and The Tudors. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's a single mom. Her husband was killed, and she can't let it go. She's you know trying to trying to sort of you know deal with her now destitute life and piece everything back together again. And um, uh, you know everything gets much darker than that. It doesn't get into anything supernatural, but it does get violent, and she's got to take matters into her own hands when life goes astray, and she's got to get all back together again, and next thing you know, it's very ice pit on your grave territory. There first, it is. At first, I, my first memory of Sarah Bolger, I think, might be in um, in, in America. Uh, yeah. That film. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which is, I think it was like 20 years ago, too. Yeah, wonderful. Yep. And then we've got Pit Stop, which is not the old uh, black exploitation uh, exploitation era film Pit Stop. The Jack Hill, I think, directed the original Pit Stop. This is not that. This is a new movie uh, about a bunch of kids who are having a, a rave and you know getting uh, stoned. And um, next thing you know, somebody's killing them. Um, who's killing them? And there it is. Don't go to raves. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you about that one. It's a rave, and people start dying. Um, and then reawakened. Uh, only watched a little bit of this, just because it looked kind of intriguing. It's not nearly as intriguing as it as it looks from the marketing. Um, this is one of those vacations turn into nightmare movies. Uh, and and it and it's a possession thing too. She's like the. Something about it, like there's there's a there's a the spirit of a witch that is haunting this woman, and it gets doesn't really doesn't really pan out. But uh, reawakened, if you're if you think your 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 beloved might be walking around with the the ancient spirit of a reincarnated witch floating around inside them, that's the movie for you. And then lastly, uh, an Emily Harris directed movie uh, from Film Movement con- called Carmilla. Which oh, is- I saw that for I saw that for yeah. It's not bad, right? Yeah. It's it's uh, based on a on a vampire novel I had never heard of from 1872. Oh, well before Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula. Yeah, that's what, that was interesting. It it predates Dracula. Yeah. Very very interesting. Um, yeah, the, about this uh, this teenage girl on on this kind of country out in this this country home um, who has a a very um, toxic relationship with her governess. And um, next thing you know, well, there's a there's a there's a young another young woman who uh, is injured in some kind of an accident and winds up becoming kind of like a temporary foster sister to her is maybe the way to put it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not per se a horror film uh, in the traditional sense, but it does feel a little bit like. Um, the only reason that I added it here was because it feels a little bit like um, an early. I mean, you know, it, it, it technically it's a vampire film, yeah. but it's it's not scary vampire. No. It's just like spooky, right? Yeah, uh, it, it's as much energy sucking as anything else. Emily, I think also directed. What well, you reviewed it? Not uh, yeah, what Radium Girls? Oh, did she do that? Yeah. Okay, so that that's new. That that's a that's her new film. Yeah. Then I didn't realize that was the same director. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I what the, the what what strikes me about this is that it's it's um it's a little bit like uh, the Jean Genet yeah. story, the real life story of the maids, which has been done 
Sister My Sister is maybe the better version of that in the film. You know, the, the true story about the two sisters who have their incestuous relationship and then they they murder the woman that they work for. I, I'm sure everybody knows that story by now. Jean Genet wrote the, 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 the play and they've made a movie from the play and they've made several movies from the actual story itself. This seems to kind of touch on that a little bit before that event actually happens. So um, it seems to be in somewhat the same territory. Uh, anyway, that's it. That's our Halloween show. Right, our stuff we've gone through it. Tim, what are you gonna do for Halloween? What are the plans? Uh, close the window, close the doors, turn off the lights. Uh, you know, sit in the middle of the house watching uh, black and white. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I don't know whether or not uh, they're allowing uh, trick or treating or whatnot in, 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 in Pasadena. You know, some some municipalities they have all kinds of different rules. Yeah, um, uh, and, and, and whatnot. I think we talked about it at the beginning of the show, so I'm not really sure what's going on. Usually, there would be a few kids who come by by the don't know if that's what's going to happen. Well, we're going to, we're going to, we have some interesting decorations out. We'll see if anybody stops by. Uh, in the meantime, remember, we're giving away three copies of Broil, which uh, lives up to its title. Just uh, write us an email with Broil in the subject line, name and address in the body of the email to gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. And with that, Tim, have a great Halloween, and uh, we'll chat later. All right, brother. It's the mommy. It's the mommy. It's the mommy! It's the mommy!